Right, welcome everyone to Fazlift's podcast episode 10. Um, today is going to be a podcast all about fasting. So the practice of abstaining completely from food for a set duration of time. Uh, you can catch this podcast on SoundCloud, YouTube, and now on iTunes. I am looking for reviews, positive reviews on iTunes would be great. That really helps me out a lot. So if you're on there, please do leave me a five-star review, and uh, that uh, that's a big, big help to me. Thank you. All right, so onwards to today. Um, I'm just on my own today, and as I say, the topic is going to be fasting. So first, let's get into it. What do we, what do we use fasting for? I'm going to start off with uh, paraphrasing a quote from a guy called Brad Pilon. I think that's how you pronounce his name, but uh, in his book Eat Stop Eat. Um, he started off with a really nice, simplistic kind of forward where he talked about how a lot, well, every major food group, every major macro, uh, really anything in people's diets, every fad that we've known over the course of the last sort of 30, 40 years, everything has been demonized at one point or another. I'm sure you guys can sympathize with this. You guys at home, you can sympathize with, well, first it was sugar, then it wasn't, then people blamed fat. Then people play got carbohydrates. Uh, people have blamed protein over the years, and then it gets even more sort of um, finicky and nitpicky and, and petty. And people start blaming actual foods like bread, uh, and, and it's really, really stupid things like that for for why they can't lose weight. Uh, and there's all kinds of you know things being blamed. And Brad's simple uh, suggestion was to maybe we should just stop. Maybe we should just stop blaming particular foods and macros. And rather than the cutting down of those foods and macros, how about we just stop eating for a while? Yeah. And that, that's really the basis of the book. It's like rather than demonizing a particular food group and trying to cut out a particular macro or trying to cut out a particular food uh, and just get away with what we can, how about we just stop eating for a while? Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. And he goes on to talk about how there's, the body exists in two states. And while I don't necessarily completely agree with him, I think it's a simplistic way of providing quite a nice um, an analogy to what is quite a, a complex series of processes in the body. Is that the body exists in either a fed or a fasted state? When you're in a fed state, all the things that we associate with being fed are come true. Like you know, your body's in an anabolic state, which is great for us bodybuilders. It's in a fat storing mode as well, provides us a lot of energy. Um, and it very, very rarely do people actually delve into the fasted state. The fasted state occurs after roughly eight hours. So if you're having an evening meal and perhaps a snack before bed and breakfast in the morning, you're never really delving into those fasted states. But a lot of cool stuff happens when you're in a fasted state. And this is complete cessation of food. You can still drink water, but complete cessation of food. A lot of cool things happen at that stage. And certainly what I've found is being completely fasted, so completely abstaining from food for a certain period of time, is a hell of a lot easier than just eating smaller and smaller amounts. Um, and it's been, while I'm not going to go into the, the science of it today, I don't think that's really what this podcast is, is going to be about. I wanted to give you my practical experience of what I've felt and, and sort of the basis of, of why I uh, do fasting. Why I have done fasting consistently now for probably six or seven months and no longer than that, probably eight or nine months. And I've had a long history of fasting over the last 10 years. So that's essentially what it is. You pick a certain period of time. Now let's sort of delve into the specifics a little bit. So what, what is a, 
usual period of time. For what I do, I like to carve out 24-hour fasts. So roughly 24 hour, 24, 23 hour fasts. So let's say, for example, I, I finish eating at, I had my last meal at say six o'clock and I might eat between six to 6.30. Um, and then that's it, I'll, I'll abstain from eating completely. And then the next day I'll break my fast at, again, six o'clock, which would be the six o'clock meal. I usually have that with family. So yeah, it's like a 23 and a half hour fast. So, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, you know, it's roughly a 24 hour fast. So that's kind of the way I structure things. So really eight of those 24 hours, you basically spend asleep. Um, you're already fed from the course of the day. So, you know, generally, as long as you can go to sleep, okay, you're, you know, within a few hours, assuming you go to sleep at a regular time, sort of at 10 o'clock, you're fine. It's not too hard, bad. And the next day, it's just a case of staying busy until six o'clock, have another meal. Sounds like a daunting task to someone. You know, some people might actually get anxiety from, from these things. And we kind of talk about, um, what not to do later on and sort of who shouldn't do this. But um, in any case, that's, that's the general rundown of how I use fasting. There are other ways, and lots of my bodybuilder friends have probably heard of the lean gains intermittent fasting way, which is basically sort of the 16-8 approach. That's essentially just skipping breakfast and having a short eating window throughout the day. I don't find that one as useful personally. I've done that in the past. It uh, doesn't really fit my schedule that well, and it doesn't really provide the benefits that a 24-hour fast does. I can make a 16-8 work, but it's a lot more work. A 24-hour fast is actually easier. And I know, again, that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but it's really a case of what happens when you're in the fasted state. There are a lot of cool things that happen in the fasted state, and a lot of those benefits occur past the period of the fast as well. And that seems to have some long-lasting long benefits um, as regards to what I've seen. Now, in terms of the benefits, so why exactly do I do it? Well, think about it like this. Let's, let's approach it from a few different angles. Let's firstly approach it from the health angle, because I think that's most important. And that's, for me, that's originally why I started doing the 24-hour fast. It was more of a health thing for me. So I found when I was coming out of the competition, this is just speaking um, sort of over the last year, when I came out of the competition, the contest, my stomach had shrink down to the point where just eating 2,000 calories a day was actually a bit of a challenge. Um, so as my food crept up a bit higher, I was getting quite a lot of stomach discomfort from more and more food being ingested relative to where I was pre-contest. And that was actually super uncomfortable for me. Um, and we know through the research there are adaptations that occur with your gut it's not just the size of your gut, the amount of food the gut can actually handle and process is lowered over time. And that makes sense. You just adapt to your level of food over time. And so I was adapted to lower and lower amounts of food and I had to adapt myself back to higher and higher amounts of food. What really helped me was having one day a week where I just didn't eat. And that was that 24 hour period was very, very helpful. So while my calories were increasing on the other days, having that one fasting day, I look forward to that day. I had a day where my stomach would kind of feel a lot better. You'd actually have time to process and digest all the food that was in it from the rest of the week. So that was a, that was a big deal for me, and that, was a, that was really was a game changer. Um, and I remember asking people about, you know, stomach discomfort while bulking and all that kind of stuff, and I got a range of, of really probably, to be honest, pretty shitty answers uh, from some experts that I asked, which were down, which sort of pointed kind of vaguely at um, food combinations and, and stuff like that. But the reality was I just needed to give my digestive system time to actually process the food that was in it rather than piling more food on top. And again, you know, it goes back to that thing, uh, that quote at the beginning of, of the podcast, 
where rather than trying to demonize foods and get too kind of cute and tricky with the things that we're eating, how about just stop fucking eating for a while? Yeah. You know, and give, give the body a chance to do what it does. So first thing in regards to, it was more, it was kind of a case of a health benefit was health benefit was, um, fasting for digestibility for the digestive system. I, I found it to be, it gave my digestive tract the time to actually, uh, almost like clear out, you know, kind of like reset for the week. And that just got more important. It was important right from the beginning of the post contest period, but it became more and more important as my food got higher and higher and higher. So over the course of the other six days, I was eating more and more food, uh, just to make sure that my average weekly average calories were going up. And I was really looking forward to the Sunday where I'd fast. And eventually I got up to the point where I was eating 4,000 calories six days a week. And that one day a week, I was eating about five or seven, five to 700 calories. And that was such a big help for me in terms of how much food I could pack away. I really look forward to the Sundays. So for digestive health, it was fantastic. Now, just lately, I've been doing it for actually cutting and losing weight. And that's been really interesting as well. And again, we're just on the health angle for the time being. I've noticed some pretty acute changes in my resting heart rate. Um, and my blood pressure. So some of you might know who follow me on Instagram that um, I've been on a sort of a conditioning kick for a while. So I've been doing some pretty hard conditioning, pulling back on my weightlifting and just trying to get healthy, ready for the next six month or 12 month push up in body weight. And the fasting has been instrumental for that. It's been huge. Like I feel so much more relaxed, so much calmer after a fast. My heart rate is down. My blood pressure is down. I mean, my blood pressure is fine, but it's, even better. I really want my blood pressure to be better than just healthy. I want it to be absolutely fantastic. Again, ready for that big push-up, for the next big push-up. Same with my resting heart rate. So in terms of health, there's a hell of a lot of benefits there. Now, in terms of losing weight, and this is really where things get kind of interesting. And this is where we're going to talk about sort of calories in versus calories out. And really, what is the benefit of fasting to create the deficit? as opposed to just eating in a, in a calorie deficit. So let me give you an example. Let's take a guy whose maintenance calorie intake is 3,000 calories, okay? Now, 3,000 calories means that over the course of the week, this guy is eating roughly 21,000 calories, okay? So 3,000 3, times seven, 21,000 calories. Now, what this guy could do, he could reduce to 2,500 calories every single day. And, you know, with us, it seems like sensible advice. Everyone's like, yep, all you need to do, take off 500 calories there, add 500 calories of cardio, bada bing, bada boom, you've got two pounds of fat loss. And it's perfect maths. We can do that. <laughs> and we can work it out, and it's great. But why do diets fail, guys? Yeah? It's not because we don't know it's calories in versus calories out. We know it's calories in versus calories out. It's always, it always really annoys me when I look at these um, intermittent fasting threads. And there's always like one or more guys who just love to jump in and go, ah, oh, well, guys, it's just carries in versus carries out. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> but if we all knew that and it was that simple, dieting would be easy, right? But that's not why people fail. People don't fail because they don't know that they have to eat less. People know they have to eat less. For the most part, <laughs> you still get some, um, you know, low-carb insulin is the devil, uh, advocates out there, but you know, no one really pays attention to what they say because they're fucking stupid. So it really is more a case of we know that it's carries in versus carries out. Like we know that. We don't need a, a genius to tell us that. We realize that. But why do most diets fail? Most diets fail because dropping calories after a while, it fucking sucks. And so people break and then they 
splurge or they binge or they just think fuck fuck the diet or they get to their goal for example they've got a goal for a beach or a wedding or a holiday or a photo shoot or a competition and after that they're like fuck it i'm done and they just go right back to their old eating habits so yeah we know that it's carries in versus carries out but not everyone succeeds in a diet or keeping on after a diet and why is that so let's kind of explore that a little bit what i've seen is with fasting it seems to alter your appetite now, contrary to popular belief, if you're just, if you're completely, uh, if you're completely abstaining from eating food, your appetite actually goes down. This is what I've seen to be completely true every single time. Now, if you've got a bad relationship with food, and we'll kind of talk about that later, then psychologically, yeah, it might not feel great. And you might think, oh God, I'm starving. I need to have food. But for someone who's got a fairly balanced view on food, it does seem to blunt their appetite. And I'm going to include me in that. Um, in that category. I, I don't have an eating sword. I never had, never have had one. Uh, and I've never had an inkling of having one. And <laughs> trust me, I've competed. I've been on stage. So if there was, if there was a genetic predisposition for eating disorder, I would have had one. <laughs> but I'm pretty confident at this stage of my life, having done what I've done as old as I am now, I'm pretty confident that I can say that I, I don't have those, I don't have that predisposition. <laughs> so assuming you've got a balanced relationship with food, when you fast, your appetite over the course of the week will generally go down rather than up. Now, when you're on a constant restriction, you're always going to feel that nagging hunger. At least this is what I've experienced. So if we go back to that original guy who's had 3,000 calories is his maintenance, what he can do is one day a week, right? Let's say one day where he's super busy. He'll take that day and he'll just do a 24-hour fast. So he'll fast from the night before over to the next day. And on that day, he might have, say, 500 calories in the evening before he goes to bed. That's after, assuming he's gone six to six. After six on the day of the fast, he'll go um, 500 calories. And he's created then a deficit. He's created a weekly deficit of 2,500 calories. That's fucking huge. All that he's done is take out one day of eating. And he's created a, a calorie deficit of 2,500 calories. Now, if you do that twice a week, which I would say is about the maximum, Roughly the maximum, or maybe three times is the maximum, but two is fairly comfortable. So if you do your fast two times a week, non-consecutive days, guys, <laughs> don't try and do a 48 hour fast. That's outside the scope of what we're talking about here today. Let's say you do a two 24 hour fasts and you've got a maintenance of 3000 calories. You've already just slashed off 5000 calories from your, your weekly schedule and you're still eating a reasonable dinner every night. Two nights a week, your dinner might be a bit smaller, but generally you're still eating a good dinner every single night with family. It's socially still acceptable. You know, it's just during the day when you might be busy, you're not going to sit down to eat, you're just going to stay busy. But you've created a huge deficit. And the rest of the days, you're still eating normally as you would. So in terms of the advantage that I've seen, I've definitely without a doubt seen that when people are on lower calorie intakes for the majority of the week, over time, certain people will respond very, very poorly to that. And their metabolisms will start to go down. They'll start to get lazier. And all of that combines to lowering the amount of expenditure they have per, during the course of the day and lowering how much they actually burn, which means it just makes dieting harder and harder and harder. We know from the research that metabolism can actually downregulate by up to 10 to 17%. And then on top of that, if people are tired and getting lazy. That's an additional X number of calories that they're going to not burn per day. So on top of all that, the, the, the task becomes just harder and harder and harder. What we're seeing with fasting is that metabolism doesn't generally 
decrease. It actually somewhat slightly increases due to uh, your body releasing sort of various hormones, like norepinephrine and stuff like that. So certainly what I've seen to be true with me, and I've, I don't really have any of my clients fasting because it's not something that I generally suggest to clients. You don't really, you need to really know somebody before you suggest that because if they do have an eating disorder or a history of eating disorder, you definitely don't want to go there. But as I say, we'll talk about that later. But certainly what I've seen is if you can maintain, say, your calorie intake of 3,000 for, say, five or six days a week, your metabolism is not really going to slow in the same way that if you had a slightly lowered uh, intake across the week, right across all seven days. So for me, it offers quite a lot of benefits in that regard. You can create a massive deficit, but somewhat skip over the metabolism downregulation, certainly improve appetite control. And all of these things are huge for why people fail diets in the first place. So if you've got two models of dieting, one is just a small deficit all the time, the other one is large calorie deficits through fasting. And assuming the calories at the end of the week are equal, because we know it's calories in versus calories out. Now, if one model provides you with consistent level of nagging hunger and a potential for a lowered metabolism, whereas your other model provides you with more appetite control over time and less lowering of metabolism, it seems to make sense that the 24 hour, the fasting should at least be worthy of discussion. Yeah, I'm not telling everyone to go out and do it right away. As I say, I don't actually recommend it to anyone, only my direct clients, but it's certainly worth a discussion, I would think, based on what I've just said. Yes, it's carries in versus carries out, but we, are, we have some benefits coming in from fasting that we don't see in overall calorie restriction. Now, I just want to point out at this point um, that I'm not talking about high and low days here. That's not what this is. This is completely abstaining from food. I've been very vocal in the past about why I think high and low days are fucking stupid, and I will maintain my position that they are fucking stupid. However, abstaining from food altogether provides that, uh, provides something else. And I said it puts you into that fasted state, and it's more than just a high day and a low day, which is really very pointless. And I'll always maintain that's fucking stupid. So, so far, we've covered what is fasting. You know, talked about the Brad Pilon quote, why I do it. Talked a little bit about carries in versus carries out. So you kind of know the theoretical things, and we've also talked about how to do a fast. So just to kind of reiterate on that point, this is how I would get somebody just to trial it, to see if you're, if you're used to it. And I had a friend of mine do this recently, and she had a last meal at about one or two o'clock, and then it was such a big meal, she just didn't eat throughout the rest of the day. <laughs> and the next day, she broke a fast at one o'clock. And she said it was fine. She didn't struggle too much. And she said, you know, maybe it was because I had a really big meal the day before. And I was like, yeah, you know what? It probably was. But the important thing is you add up to your maintenance level. So you weren't letting yourself get hungry. And then you did the full 24-hour fast, which is fantastic. And she said it was fine. She really enjoyed it. And she was one of the people who was having some issues with hunger control. So it was really a case of her thinking to herself, yeah, I've got some hunger control issues, been having them for a while. This is something that I could potentially try, something Faz has been talking about, that I could potentially try to try and reset my appetite a little bit, so to increase my appetite control. So that was done a couple of days ago, and um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how that gets on with it. But just to show you that that's a, that's a really easy way of implementing it. So what I would do is pick one day where 
you know that the next day you're going to be quite busy. It's important to be busy. So for me, that's generally a day in the week. I don't generally do weekends anymore. I'll generally do a day in the week. So let's say, yeah, I mean, it's Sunday today. I'm probably going to do a fast tonight, starting tonight. So I'll eat well right up until 6 o'clock where I'll have my final meal. I know I'm going to be pretty busy tomorrow. So the final meal today will be at 6 o'clock. That's fine. Like I'll be able to go sleep on that. It's not a problem because I'm going to make sure I eat right up to maintenance for the course of the day. Tomorrow I'm going to be busy. So I'm going to get up. Throughout the course of the day, I'm just going to have black coffees. Black coffee with sweeteners is absolutely fine. And then at 6 o'clock, I'm going to break my fast. Easy. It's going to be super simple. And since I've been doing it for a while now, my appetite control is pretty good. Like I don't even really feel that hungry right now. It's roughly 2 or 3 in the afternoon. I've got around three or four hours left of eating. I've actually only ate 1,500 calories so far today, So, but I'm not terribly hungry, but I'm going to force some food in and force some food right up to, to probably three, three and a half thousand calories over the course of the next few hours, just so I can get the food in, just so I know I'm not going to be super hungry tomorrow. But I'm going to eat right up to maintenance, even though my appetite, because of the fasting, is really, it, my appetite control right now is really, really good. Like, I'm just, I'm just, I feel fine. But I'm going to get that food in anyway just to preempt feeling hungry tomorrow during the course of the fast. So that's how I would do it. Make sure you're eating on right up to maintenance on your days that you do eat. The days that you don't eat, try and stay busy. Okay. Now, if you want to, if that first day went really well, feel free to try it again. Firstly, I would start on roughly like a every week or every two-week schedule and then start doing it consistently every week. And then if you want to accelerate it, twice a week is fine. And for you guys who are feeling really kind of like this suits me and this is this is revolutionary for me, then sure, try three days a week. And that, they call that alternate day fasting. Um, that's something I've not really experimented with up until this point, but it's something that I might delve into in the future. We'll see how it goes. But certainly I've done two days a week of fasting and I found that great. Right, so that's kind of like how do you structure it. Now let's talk a bit about how to break a fast. Now, again, when you've been doing this for a while, you should see your appetite control go get pretty good. So at that stage, I would just break the fast with just a regular meal. I try to keep it fairly protein heavy. Um, so a typical meal that I'll break a fast will probably be a rice-based with some meat, some vegetables, something along those lines. Um, on that night that I break the fast, I'll probably only have roughly 700 calories. That's me personally, because I'm quite a big guy. My metabolism is quite big. For the majority of people, they might find something in the region of 500 calories more appropriate. But for me, that's generally a small dish. And then before bed, I'll have something like my protein fudge, which is about three or 400 calories as well. And it's a lot of protein. So within those sort of, you know, 700 calories, a good 400 of those 700 calories is, is protein. So I have about 100 grams of protein. There. So I find that combination to work pretty well for me. So how to break a fast? Yeah, that's a good idea. I'd also make sure that you've had you know, plenty of water. So perhaps an hour before you do to break the fast, make sure you've drunk one or two pints of water. You should be drinking throughout the day, but you know, just especially before the fast. And then when you've had your meal, I would really recommend just get up and walk away from the dinner table. Okay? Because the longer you're sat there at the dinner table, the more you're going to be wanting food and wanting food and wanting food. It becomes a habitual thing. Have your meal, get up, walk away, go do something else for a while, come back to it in the evening. That's the best way to do it, okay? The bodybuilding mentality, <laughs> and I've sort of, I've, I've, not, I've never succumbed to this, but I've kind of thought about this in the past. The bodybuilding mentality is, oh, wow, I just missed three meals. I need to make them up. But don't do that, all right? <laughs> you miss those meals for a reason. So just leave. They're, they're done. They're gone. And that, those meals that you've skipped, that is the key to your fat loss. 
So the meals you've skipped, just forget about them. Don't do that hard to bother little thing of like, oh, I got to make up all those meals. No, you don't. That's the reason why we're doing this. Just have your 500, roughly 500 calories in the evening and you're good to go. Okay. That's, that's like what not to do. Now, if we talk about who shouldn't do this, um, oh, one more thing about what not to do. During the days that you do eat, don't try and restrict your calories massively then. Like don't do this whole thing of I'm going to fast three days a week and then during my feast days, the days that I eat, I'm going to lower my calories as well. Yeah, don't do that, okay? That will really screw you over and will just probably lead to – it just it just won't work that well. Okay, the whole point of this is the the – the differences between the feast days and the fast days. If you've got fast days and you've got like lower calorie days, again, we talked about at the beginning, what happens when you've got lower calorie intake? You get that annoying hunger, that annoying, constant annoying hunger. And that will just creep over onto your fasting days, which will make your fasting days harder. So it's not like the fasting days make anything hard, but if you're under eating drastically on your feast days, it's going to suck. Yeah, so don't do that. You've already, you've already not ate for 24 hours. You don't need to, you know, restrict your calories after that. Just eat up to maintenance or slightly over even. You're good to go. You can actually work it out on a spreadsheet if you wanted. That's what I did. And I worked out that for me, I could have uh, three fasting days where I eat just 700 calories on those days, um, you know, in the evening after I've broken my fast. And I could have four days of up to 3,500 calories. And that would still average out roughly 2,300 across the week per day on average. That's a massive deficit for me. Uh, even though I'm on four days out of seven, I'm eating 3,500 calories, which is plenty of food. And that's roughly uh, kind of my maintenance slightly over. So there's plenty of potential there to lose weight. You don't have to, you don't have to restrict on the days that you're supposed to be eating. Okay? Don't binge either, but just have up to roughly maintenance calories. So that's what not to do. Now, in terms of who shouldn't do this, I firmly believe if, if you've ever had any history of an eating disorder, don't do this, okay? Just just don't. It's not worth the risk. You may well succumb to a sort of a binge purge pattern. Don't do that. Um, and as I said, if you're going to try it, try it in a sort of a reasonable one fast. And if that works okay, then great. Try another one. If that works okay, then fine. But just evaluate it one fast at a time and kind of see how it works for you. Um, I wouldn't suggest that you, um, you if, if, if you start getting those odd binge purge kind of feelings when you're doing a fast, uh, it's probably not for you. And it's okay to just back off and go, yeah, this isn't for me. Uh, it's fine to do that, okay? So rather than push it, if you feel that there's going to be an issue caused by this, yeah, just don't do it. Just don't do it at all. So yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's my sort of rundown on fasting and kind of what I've been doing. As I said, I found it to be a super easy way of, of losing fat, losing weight, and keeping performance high in the gym, which is really good. One more thing that I forgot, which I should have pointed out, but uh, let's just talk a quick thing. I just remembered this because there's a question about some Instagram recently about electrolytes. Um, yeah, one of the important things to do when, whenever, you, whenever you are eating is to make sure you're getting enough salt and potassium. So rough guidelines per day are roughly three to five grams, I would say, for hard training athletes of both sodium and potassium. That's total intake. Now, this is especially important on the days that you're eating. Make sure you're getting in enough sodium and potassium. It's going to help so much with your appetite and your fatigue and your hydration on the days that you're not fasting. Oh, sorry, the days that you are fasting. So in the days that you're not fasting, make sure you have enough electrolytes, okay, sodium and potassium. 
so it'll just make life a lot easier on the days that you're actually fasting trust me on that prioritize those things okay don't worry about salting your food salt your food heavily i actually take salt and potassium supplementation i cap it myself and it's sort of a 50 50 low salt mix that i use uh, now the reason i said that we were talking about this another time is i'm probably going to devote a whole podcast on sodium and potassium calcium and magnesium because i feel it's an important topic which is really really misunderstood and it's misunderstood by a lot of top coaches in the uk as well so I think it's worthy of its own topic. And I think it's just as relevant, if not more relevant, than the macros, like fat, protein, and carbohydrates. I think electrolytes are just as relevant. Right, guys, I am going to call it there. It's a relatively short podcast, but that's my take on fasting. Hopefully you found that useful. And uh, yeah, uh, you'll see this, as I say, all over the place on iTunes, YouTube, and SoundCloud. I would really appreciate some upvotes, uh, some likes, some shares, some five-star reviews, all that kind of stuff really, really helps wherever you listen to this. So thanks very much. Speak soon.